Okay, hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is episode 92 of our humble little podcast where me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Dedman, discuss all of the great things that are happening in the world of alternative music this this week and every week. Hello, Renfrey. He's hello. here, by the way. Hello. You, you described the podcast perfectly there. That's exactly what Thank we you. do. Um, that I'm is doing very exactly well. what we do. Yeah. I'm doing very um, well. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks, mate. I've, I've been working hard. Working hard or hardly working, eh, Renfrey? Hey. <laughs> oh, working hard, definitely. <laughs> um, yes, you've had, uh, you've had a very busy week, haven't you? Very I've been busy really week. busy. Yeah. I mean, this this is actually the one, two, this is the third, yeah, it's the third podcast I've recorded this week. We're on Wednesday. God, We're God. doing another one. No, no, fourth. Sorry, it's the fourth one we've done since when, um, and I'm we're only on Wednesday. We're going to do another one straight me. after this. You've been cheating quite on me. A few. I have, yeah. I've been I've doing a whole bunch of other more. stuff, yeah. This is still my main gig, though, Renfrey. Don't yeah, worry yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, fuck, all those other, fuck those other guys. There's only <laughs> one man in my life. Um, <laughs> on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing new albums from Hayley Williams, The Hirsch Effect, Winterfelleth, and Fake Names, plus pervy old gits, Louis XIV, <laughs> get into broken records with their albums Slick Dogs and Ponies. Um, we should say a big thank you, as we always do, to our friends at Musicism, who are basically um, responsible for the equipment that you can hear us speaking into now and recording this very fine podcast. Thanks to them. Yeah. And What uh, lovely equipment. I was what watch- lovely equipment. I was watching um, Devon Townsend's quarantine uh, sessions the other day. and uh, Stop got- going on about Devon Townsend all so- the time. Sorry. All the uh, time. I've been on a bit of a Devon Yeah, kick. go on. Um, I know you have, yeah. And I was just massively happy to see that he was using the same mics that we use. So that gave me a little, little, hooray. Thanks, Musicism. That's uh, musicism.net. Over there, they do great online tutorials for you if you want to become a musician of some description, whether that be a singer, a songwriter, a producer, or a guitarist. They have courses for you. They've just done a new metal course. Metal! All right, all right Ronnie James, do you? <laughs> yeah, probably uh, not that type of metal, to be fair. More like... That sort of metal. Well, it's a rhythm... <laughs> very well um very well sung uh it's it's a rhythmic metal course rhythm rhythm guitar so yes it'll be all genty stuff and all that kind of thing oh we got some of that coming up later a little bit yeah yeah a little bit of that yeah anyway um if you do want to do that and that sounds interesting to you which i mean god i couldn't have sold it much better than that ronnie james dio fronting a gent band come on i think your particular that was the bit where i went oh i'm gonna give my money for that Although I don't yeah, for to, sure. Yeah. Um, and you get money off as well. 25% off when you put the code RIOT in capitals in the checkout. Um, also, we should say you should go over to our Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash Riot Podcast is where you can sign up for another load of podcasts. What we do as well. If you sign up for uh, anything under £5, you get access to our Rioteers reviews, um, which uh, I believe we just put one up on Death from Above 1979. That went up on the Tuesday just gone, uh, which was a lot of fun on yep. their I'm a Woman, You're a Machine album, which I yep. really, really fucking love. Yep. Great album. Uh, and come next Tuesday, um, Freeloaders will be getting more Devon Townsend. Sorry to mention him again. Uh, <laughs> but they'll be getting uh, Ocean Machine, our chat on Ocean Machine, where um, which I don't remember doing now because we did it so long Fuck ago. Now, yeah, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? But I guarantee we said it was brilliant because it's a great yeah, record and also our longest writers review yet for um patrons will be going out candle box 
on their self-titled record. I know, we went record. full in on, we went really big in on Candlebox. It was a big excuse for us to just wang on about how great grunge was really, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's face it. We've got another good excuse for something coming up as well, because we after that, after we finish this, we're actually, for our, our next writers review, we're going to be talking about Betty by Helmet, yeah. which gives me a very, very good excuse to wang on about Helmet up to and including the Betty album, because we might be going a little bit further into Helmet's career on a classic albums podcast coming up one day. So I'm not going to spunk all of that. Um, speaking of the classic album series podcasts, uh, Sepultura's Roots just went up. So if you pledge any anything from £5 above, the £5 tier gives you access to two uh, specials a month, uh, a pick of mine and a pick of Renfries of one of our favourite albums ever, ever, ever. Uh, we did three hours on Sepultura's Roots. That's available now if you are a patron or if you'd like to become a patron. As I said, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. But um, in, a, in a month or so, it's going to be quite interesting because we actually recorded a two-parter for the first time on, well, we did, ra- we did two parts on Radiohead and we've done two parts on Pink Floyd. Um, the Radiohead one was kind of one album, but really it was two. So it was a little bit of a kind of mm-hmm. sneaky excuse for Renfrey to do two albums in the, in, of one band. But we both picked a <laughs> Lamb of God album. Yes. Uh, yes. You picked Ashes Awake and I picked Sacrament. So we decided... You've done, you done it again. I picked As the Palaces Burn. As the Palaces Burn. Yeah, fucking hell. That became a thing, didn't it? The amount of Not times... Not knowing the names. The amount yeah. of times I'm going to have to edit you, edit out you saying Ashes Awake when you All meant right, As we'll, the Palaces we'll Burn. Don't edit out this time <laughs> because I'm explaining it. <laughs> yeah, I'm explaining yeah, yeah. it so that when people <laughs> listen to it, they, don't, they, they won't be surprised when I get it massively wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, we're, we picked Wrath and Nuremberg american gospel oh <laughs> no <laughs> we picked um i picked sacrament renfrey picked uh as the palaces burn yeah i got that right that yeah, time and uh it ended up being about four and a half hours talking about lamb of god basically didn't I think it? It, which is I good think, yeah i think it'd be four hours in total um but yeah mm. um we are basically on a bit of a mission to i mean uh, you know what with what with everything going on uh we just want to provide you guys with content so we're just trying to double up on a few things and it means mm-hmm. that we've revised our classic album schedule a little bit behind the scenes but yeah. you will be seeing the fruits of those re- those revisions and yeah uh, from mid-june looking at mm. the schedule so yes yeah lovely stuff i for one am very excited about it because it means that where before we said we will pick one album per band, it now means we can go, well, fuck it, actually, I'm going to pick two. And it means that what I'm about to do after we finish this podcast, Renfrey, is the next one that we're going to be reviewing, which will be coming out way down the line reviewing. One of the next ones we are going to be discussing uh, is I decided that I couldn't choose between the Holy Bible and Everything Must Go by the Manic Street Preachers. So fuck it. We're going to do both of them. And that gives me a great opportunity to go mental and listen to loads of Manic Street Preachers and watch <laughs> loads of documentaries and basically turn into that nerdy kid that I was when I was like 16, 17 years old, thinking that I could find and befriend Richie Edwards. It's never <laughs> happened. Oh, but really? maybe it will do this time. Yeah, It would, it would yeah, be, well, it would we'll be newsworthy if it had. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. It also gives us an excuse to sort of say how these albums um are interlinked in their back catalogues and i think um i think that will be an interesting one for the holy bible and everything must go as well two albums that on the surface mm-hmm. aren't interlinked but uh i think you have something to say about that to say the least oh, yeah you, i do you will do yeah, i do it might 
it might it might just be me but you know anyway um anyway so there you go as i said patreon.com forward slash right act podcast is where all that stuff is going up um and we thank you so far for um if you have signed up thanks very much really really appreciated um so you've probably heard about Bandcamp waiving its fees since the old pandemic started. But to give you even more of a reason to head over there now, just so if people don't know, Bandcamp basically um, do days where, or weekends, is it, where they don't charge anyone who buys a record from Bandcamp, they don't take a percentage of it. The artists are getting the full whack. That's right, isn't it? They waive, they waive all of their fees, yeah, and it's for one day. Yeah. They've done it twice during this lockdown um, in mm-hmm. a bid to support artists, because Bandcamp are fucking wonderful. Mm. And as a kind of, even more a reason to be heading over there, just yesterday, Discord Records put their entire discography up for free. Their now, entire discography. I saw this, and whilst that technically isn't inaccurate uh it's also ever so slightly misleading because the reality is you can stream everything for free but bandcamp also gives you the option to download albums for free so when i saw that i got super excited i was like i'm gonna download loads of really rare um discord stuff and you still have to like pay if you want to have a download copy of the records in like you know uh flack or or whatever whatever mode you choose to download them uh but yes you can now stream everything that discogs have ever done uh via bandcamp and i'm not sure if that was the case on spotify before i'm sure a lot of the stuff was on spotify already but yeah i mean a, a lot of the stuff obviously the most of the all Fugazi the big Fugazi stuff. stuff yeah 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 but i'm yeah, sure i'm up. sure there's a lot of like rarities and stuff which weren't ever put on spotify for whatever reason which you can now stream and listen to for free yeah mm. well there you go that's nice isn't it? not to not to nice put people a, not to put a downer on that news because that is wow. fucking great news i did a little bit didn't you I? sort of did put a downer on it well bit, I, yeah. I got really excited and i clicked on the link and then i realized it wasn't quite uh, what people were reporting it was but that's fine that's right. fine yeah sorry it's better to be accurate it's better to be accurate and a bit sad than <laughs> um than happy and ignorant really isn't it that's so, me through and through accurate but sad yeah yeah <laughs> fair enough um okay uh also i mean talking of being sad uh, we we aren't gonna i mean you would expect most things have been cancelled at this point um due to what's happening in the world but uh the 1975 show at finsbury park which was going to be the greenest show ever uh has been cancelled Bit of a fucking stake through the heart for us two, though. Bloodstock and Art Tangent both cancelled this week. Mm. Or, uh, yeah, it is cancelled, isn't it? Because there was going to be a Bloodstock 2021. Because Bloodstock's moved everything to 2021, although they're not sure if Behemoth are going to be able to uh, headline um, as as we sit here recording. Um, I mean, we knew it was coming, obviously, but it's a bit of a shitter. I, I did say I wouldn't be going to any festivals this year and <laughs> that i said prophecy. that at the start of the year and everyone went nah bullshit well you will do oh no i won't now definitely won't, so there's no bloodstock are you saying it's your fault I'm not saying it's my fault i'm just saying i i, I never lie i think read but read between the lines ladies and gentlemen and we'll we'll figure out if steve's responsible for this whole covid stuff you've been to china any fish markets in china recently no mm. no 
Mm. I did have a nice batshit sandwich though, so that might have <laughs> had something to do with it. A literal batshit sandwich, or um... yeah. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, it's supposed to be. That's how this all started, isn't it? A guy ate some bat poo. Is that right? Um, I was under. I was under the look. I mean, this is not the place to go to for COVID news. <laughs> <Your political> <laughs> <joke>. <laughs> But I was under the impression, well, I was under the impression it started in a fish market in um, China, but I don't know anything about, yeah, it is some, it's something, bats, bats transport Did a the poo disease. in the thing and I don't, they ate I, the thing. The, the thing I'm, uh, well, mate, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> you aren't listening to this podcast for accurate, up-to-date news and information about the COVID-19 well, pandemic so i feel like one although thing I, I, I don't obviously don't want to be like one thing i do know like, one thing i do it. know is bats um are able to transmit these kind of diseases because they have a ridiculous metabolism or something along those lines i'm probably right. fucking all of this up um and as a result uh historically not bats, worse than me mate don't worry <laughs> historically bats have transmitted all kinds of um diseases in the past hence why they're kind that's sort of one of the reasons why they're sort of uh feared mm. the bat community well, there you go. not that we have anything <laughs> against the bat community uh <laughs> if there were any bats listening um they probably can hear really well can't they, they got really good oh, they got uh, great hearing got really good yeah. hearing yeah so they yeah. probably can they probably can hear this yeah so if me and steve are devoured by bats next week and there's no show our apologies in advance uh yeah. but you know that's likely to happen isn't it <laughs> um, is yeah i'm gonna now hire the penguin to um <laughs> to, to uh, look after me and make sure i don't get eaten alive by bats let's do some reviews i reckon because <laughs> i mean I'm i was just... actually genuinely supposed to asking you about how you felt about bloodstock and art tangent that got really uh, like moved into somewhere where it shouldn't have been moved but um, I mean, how you we feeling can, we about can, that we can do it briefly I, I mean it sucks but it's sort of inevitable and not massively surprising and I feel like that yeah. um, it's been uh, I, it's not a massive surprise um, mm. I, 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 you know people probably won't be surprised to hear that I was informed of the Tangent news a little bit in advance and I kind of when I heard um, speaking one of the organisers, I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. It's a shame. Um, it's essentially down to the government uh, not pulling their fingers out of their asses in terms of telling people what they can and can't do. But then that's down to their negligent and ridiculous um, uh, speed at actually dealing with this virus and taking it seriously, isn't it? So, oh, you're so you're so negative. Where's your where's your <laughs> British spirit, Renfrey? Where's I'm your just stiff being upper honest. lip? Why are you such a sad. fear monger? <laughs> I think it's got something to do with these five G masks, you know. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, oh, I think the government is doing a great job, and I think we should get behind them. <laughs> what i think i think you should stop being so negative and is that right using it to score score political point scoring this has got is nothing that, to do it, nothing to do with politics is that right nothing. Stephen? Stephen, i don't vote hill <laughs> yeah. i'm actually going to put the union jack and uh, english flag on my twitter bio now as we speak just to make it more so people know, so people know what kind of guy i am um one who tells it like it is 
I used to, I used to, I used to love Piers Morgan because he told it how it was when he was spitting out vegan sausage rolls like a big fucking baby and (laughs) ranting at (laughs) at trans women. But now he's asking the government to stop people from dying. I hate him. I I wish he'd. Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, bizarre turn turn around from Piers Morgan there. Anyway, enough about the awful public. Let's move on to the awful, worthless, stupid British public, and let's move on to some reviews. God, is that the most political we've ever got, Renfrey? Maybe. Probably. We've been, we've yeah. been relatively yeah, political. Yeah, it was, it was bawdy, wasn't it? It was a, it was a, light, it was it a was light-hearted. Bawdy. We've never, I mean, I don't think we've ever massively <laughs> hidden our views when it comes to that sort of thing. But, you know. No, not really. Well, and apparently, um, apparently, professionally, you should hide your views about that sort of thing. Yeah, because as a music journalist, mm. my political opinion is very, very important. Well, so, apparently, we're not allowed to have opinions because, because no, we're music journalists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, exactly. We're not, we're not the norm. We, we're uh, on our, in our, our media ivory towers. <laughs> As I sit here in the corner of a clapped out old bloody room <laughs> with the paint peeling off the walls, my ivory tower in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, what anyway, what would we know? Uh, anyway, let's move on. Let's do some reviews and lighten the mood somewhat with Hayley Williams is where we're going to start. Uh, Hayley Williams album is called Petals for Amour. It's a debut solo album. She is, of course, the vocalist in Paramore. Uh, Paramore are not a band that I really like in any way at all. Although I'm not a monster, I will admit, they got some really big poppy rock songs. Misery Business. Um, Ain't It Fun was a massive tune from the last record. They um, they had quite a a couple of um, hard times as well off that last record thought you know them going a bit more kind of day glow and poppy uh what's, actually what's, kind of don't mind that so much what's the one that goes it's misery business mm, i mean lovely stuff fuck me i don't know how i got it from that to be fair but it is misery <laughs> business yes uh, <laughs> i think that was very good yeah uh, um yeah. but i like hard times that is a right fucking jam that song do you know that one I'll take your word from the for way it. I've just yeah no, not not when I did it, did it not from what you've said there I don't know it but do you want me to but, do it again no um, okay. yes um, similarly to you I, I I to be honest when it comes to Paramore it's not going to be a massive surprise to regular listeners um, I don't think I really have strong feelings either way they are a band who are who just um, don't really fall into my radar I've don't begrudge them their success. I'm actually quite happy to see them be successful as they are. Um, and uh, but for me, they're a band that I would never have willingly chose to check out in the past. I suppose, although occasionally, yeah. occasionally they have surprised me. I remember once. Um, oh damn, I can't remember the song. I think it is on their self-titled record. The last I've mentioned this before. The last song on one of their records is like an eight and a half minute long post-rock type number, and is really good actually. Is um, it? Yeah, and it yeah. clearly it clearly shows that they the influences that Paramore have I think are really interesting. We've discussed on this podcast before, uh, didn't you say? Failure is Haley Williams's favorite band. Failure, yeah, Haley Williams' you know. favorite band. So hmm. the so I. I can't say this with any authority, but there are times and indicators that Paramore are probably 
a far more interesting band than someone like myself or someone like yourself, if you don't mind me saying, Steve, might give credit for. Might yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, I'm the same. I have, I, I never was, when Paramore came out, I was, you know, that train had left the station for me and I was not mm. interested in mm. Paramore um, or pop punk or that whole scene in general. Uh, as the years have progressed, <clears throat> my kind of initial, um, I was going to say my initial disdain, it's not disdain, it's my initial apathy yeah, for Paramore absolutely. has has kind of um, dwindled, molded, uh, melded. Well, it's, it's turned into something more approaching kind of respect from from a from afar i guess because they so still aren't a band from afar yes yeah yeah I'm very good with them. um uh and uh, mate i mean i i can't say there's anything i've ever heard of paramore where i think this is shit in the no, same true. way as I, I i hear fallout boy and i go this is shit or you know like good charlotte and i go god this is rubbish or do you know what i mean any of that like the last blink album green day any of those big ones that have released increasingly poor material mm. i have never felt like that about paramore all i have ever felt is this type of music is never going to be the sort of thing that i listen to mm. but they clearly do it very well and like you say they they do appear to have a fairly um a much broader frame of reference than the majority of their peers i don't see all-time low name checking failure ever i don't see members of all-time low a having a guest spot on American football, uh, American football record, you know, as mm. Hayley Williams did on uh, LP three um, by American football. And, you know, I remember um, seeing that she was going to guest on the record and just being befuddled. Really. I was just a bit like, Oh, okay. I'm, uh, how, I'm not sure if that's going to work. And then it came out and it was great. I thought she was brilliant on it. You know, um, I remember seeing, footage of her doing Maynard's part in Passenger with Deftones at a festival mm. once and being like you know but being scared to click on the link and being like oh my god you know ideas above your station and all that sort of thing and then and then clicking play on it and being like oh okay no that was that was very well done that was that was really good so it's really nice to be surprised mm. um there's a lot of that this week actually being surprised but it's really 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 nice to be surprised especially when you are a jaded cynical journalist like both of us are. Yeah. And obviously in our position i'm not i'm not indicating at all that you listeners out there are never surprised by music yourselves but i would i would posit that we are probably surprised less often than you just down to the fact that our job requires us that we listen to shit loads of music all the time so um and the Which more makes you, you a bit cynical. It just makes you a bit cynical. Yeah, yeah. That's why mm. all journalists are music journalists are idiots and bloody bloody blah, blah. But yeah. Bloody <laughs> <laughs> bloody blah. Oh, uh, good. Mm. Um I mean, yeah, I mean but what I will say is after laughter, their last um their last uh record, Paramore, which came out in two thousand seventeen, was definitely way more um uh kind of weighed to more towards the pop world a lot more um I, it seems weird to me that people get annoyed i mean i know people do i've i've heard people who do like this kind of thing get annoyed by bands like paramore and um and fallout boy for going more pop which seems mad to me because 
when were, were they masks. never when when <clears throat> when were they never kind of when were they ever hiding mm. how much pop music mm. was a thing to them um and you know i think those sort of bands have ambition to play big venues and in these days if you're going to do that you have to play you know rock music is not the thing to play you have to leave rock music you have to progress and really you're more likely to progress into something like pop music or you know i think fallout boy fallout boy went a bit edm at one point which i mean nobody fucking needs that but anyway after laughter was really good it also um interestingly i'm just seeing here came out by uh fueled by ramen i don't know if that's true of all of paramore's back catalog but that's not a massive that's not a massive um oh yeah it is yeah uh looks like they've done a few of their records that's not a massive label feud by ramen so you know it started off as a as a um so yeah basically i love it when bands fair play yeah when Mm. bands when bands get really really big and just sort of stick to their uh indie label i mean i you know frank turner did it for a long time um he was on extra mile when he ended up uh selling out Wembley Arena for the first time um he stayed on Extra Mile for the release after that as well it wasn't until Positive Songs for Negative People that he went over to a major and the reason you know he resisted it for a long time but at that point it really was in order to like Extra Mile are fine for the UK and maybe Europe but now that he was getting international success he sort of I don't know if reluctantly is the right word to say, but he said, I, I can't, I now have to go over to a major due to infrastructure, but I, but I always have a lot of respect for artists who cling to their roots and don't forget where they came from, I suppose, mm. uh, for as long yeah. as they possibly can. Yeah. So well done. Well done, Paramore. Um, <laughs> and, and well, do- yeah. And, and well done, Hayley Williams, who is, seems like a perfectly likable pop star i think and um what i liked about after laughter was it did feel like these were kind of they had the the thing that we talked about with pinkerton that kind of very bitter lament of lyrics and quite sad lyrics mixed with euphoric music and i think mm-hmm. parts of that record were really really very good um and it's pretty much the only paramore record that i've really sat down and given a lot of time to so um yeah, fair play. So here we have uh, her first solo album. In the build-up to this, um, she said that this is a record that she needs to make for nearly a decade. She was interviewed by the BBC, and I thought this was quite an interesting quote. It says, Making this was scary, was a scary, empowering experience. Some of my proudest moments as a lyricist happened while writing Petals for a More, and I was able to get my hands a little <laughs> dirtier than usual when it came to instrumentation. I'm in a band with my favourite musicians, so I never really feel the need to step into a role as a player when it comes to Paramore Records. This project, however, benefited from a little bit of musical naivety and rawness, so I experimented quite a bit more that's a thing that you like to hear from mm. a major artist i think somebody going um i'm aware of the naivety and my limitations but i still want to try and branch out and experiment as much as i possibly can so just reading that before i heard it because like as a little peek behind the curtains kids uh we didn't really intend to review this album initially did we no actually um you suggested it steve which um might surprise people um and i was a little bit like "Eh, really (laughs) Um, because i just didn't think it really fit into our world and what we try to do um i'm really pleased to to say that once again Hayley williams has surprised me um and i really need to get to the point now where i 
need to realize that she's a far better uh more interesting artist than i've given her credit for because mm. this is a like this is undeniably a pop record yeah i think it echoes sort of um gwen stefani's move in a in a in a sense um when she mm-hmm. went pop and solo yeah i'm not saying it sounds like gwen stefani necessarily but it, it it has echoes of her doing that i feel um and um but it is a very experimental interesting pop record which has an awful lot to say um and there's some there's some really really good stuff on this album um that i i i think when you suggested we do it i thought well people are just going to assume that we'll put it in and then we'll just tear it apart and say that it's awful and rubbish and i didn't want to be that predictable and yada 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 but you want to be honest about your opinion and i'm really happy to say that i don't have to do that at all because this is a really good this is a really good pop record isn't it it's really good yeah i mean i saw it and i saw that it was coming out and um i really didn't think that i was going to like it i had a feeling that we would be coming on here and maybe um a bit like i mean we talked about billy eilish it feels a bit funny now the size of billy eilish and how massive she's become that we did kind of cover that album when it first came out but i did you know there were comparisons made to it being like well this is kind of a a younger chelsea wolf or you know i didn't want to come on here and go well hayley williams is like a poor man's emma ruth rundle or anything but um i kind of read that and for, i also for the record i think those comparisons are ridiculous uh, and, and i don't i don't the the younger chelsea wolf or the you know I, and and not or uh you know inferior i'm a ruth i don't i don't think this record echoes those artists at all you don't think are you, what about billy eilish or this about this hmm. oh right yeah well that's what i'm saying i, I didn't want to be coming on here mm-hmm. and doing that and mm-hmm. um i thought we'll sound like sort of snobby old twats if we do that um so i was like well i've read stopped us pr- hasn't stopped us in the past it hasn't stopped us in the past <laughs> well you anyway um and <laughs> wow um uh, and I listened to Simmer, the first song, and yeah. it was it was enough to make me go, hmm, uh, I think this is really worth talking about. Simmer's a great kind of song. Straight away, straight away, I thought it was really quiet and understated. Um, and I really appreciate a a big star. Hayley Williams is a big star. Yep. Like, I really appreciated her showing that sort of side of herself um it's Paramore very delicate o- quite Paramore beautiful do the o2 now don't they they do yeah yeah so she's massive and yes as you say delicate mm. um it's a very interesting start to a record yes um yeah it is yeah uh yeah it's a wonderful song i feel like just before we get properly into the record we probably should talk about the manner in which this has been released yeah um, that's a bit see this is a bit of the problem for me as well because i mean i i would even posit the question of whether or not this is even an album because the album is basically this is petals for a more eps one and two uh so petals for a more one which is the first five tracks came out on the 6th of february petals for a more two came out on the 21st of april and the third part of that which i think is going to be released on its own as well is basically the last five songs from this record failure did a similar thing with their last album uh, them being mentioned again um as the uh, pixies did uh, yes exactly the same thing really uh with their three eps which they simply called ep1 ep2 and ep3 which was their original comeback material and then they collated it together on indie cindy 
Mm. Yeah. Uh, we also had that bizarre one song a week, but the album's not out officially with oh, Sleep, Sleep Token, Token release yeah, as well, yeah. which I think is even weirder. Uh, it's a weirder way to do it, but you do start to question whether or not it's a proper album. You know what I well, mean? I think it's a kind of a shitty way to release an album, personally. So here, here's, here's my feeling on it. Um, I didn't think it worked entirely for Pixies. Um, it was, you know, it was an interesting experiment, but I, I think Indie Cindy would have been better received as a whole because really Indie Cindy was not very well received, even though it's actually, we've both really liked good, that yeah. record. Like it's a really it. good album. Um, and I wonder if it would have been received better if all 12 songs had been released at once. Um, I also think um, with the failure record in the future, your body will be the furthest thing from your mind. Brilliant album. Um, and I'll confess that I heard the whole thing in one go anyway. So I never sort of heard it in its constituent parts, but um, didn't really make sense to me with failure doing it either because they're uh, w- Pixies and failure are rock bands or rock bands slash indie bands. Right. This method of releasing stuff makes a lot more sense to me with pop music because you know and stop me if i'm wrong here steve but from what i know of pop music um there are the 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 importance of the album is less pronounced than it is with say metal or rock or indie you know and so releasing uh three different eps five tracks each um sort of makes sense to me because i do feel like the majority of people who listen to this album probably won't listen to it as an album and interestingly interestingly as an album of 15 tracks and 56 minutes i think listening to it in one sitting it is a little bit flawed to be honest because Mm. it doesn't I agree with you. It doesn't really... It's cohesive enough to feel like an album. And I will confess, the first sort of four or five times I listened to this, I didn't even know about the three-part EP release strategy mm. thing. So I was I was quite surprised when I learned that. But it kind of makes sense. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the way that bands and artists get traction these days is getting playlists on Spotify and stuff like that. And so releasing um, little but often is not necessarily a bad strategy in, in, in the pop world, especially when you consider the fact that the album isn't seen as a cohesive piece of work in the same way that it is in other genres generally. Mm. Um, there are things about this record that are cohesive, certainly thematically and stuff like yep. that. I question if it's better uh, assimilated as as three individual EPs than an album. And I think it probably is in reality. Yeah, I think it probably is. I, I, I Yeah, I, yeah, I do agree with that and I do see it. But I think when you talk about it being better to be released as three separate EPs and that's better for streaming and the type of people that listen to it. That's all well and good to think about it from a commercial standpoint and from a commercial point of view and from within the confines of the type of people that listen to this type of music. But I'm sure Hayley Williams herself wants to release 
a record. She wants Petals for a more to stand up as a cohesive album. She wants it to be thought of in the same way as Failure or Deftones or whatever. I'm sure she does. Maybe. And but um, but, she, but if if Failure are indeed her favourite band, she also might have gone. Oh, I love the way that Failure did that. I might do that. So you, we, yeah. we we don't know that, do we? we no, we, we, don't, we don't, don't know that. Know. But what I'm saying is is that the you know if you are trying to if you genuinely you know pop music might be less kind of wedded to the idea of an album as rock music is but if you yourself or whatever music is but if you yourself are wedded to the idea of an album and i feel like hayley williams comes across as an artist who is i mean she speaks very eloquently and very sort of enthusiastically about how much this entire record and this process meant to her um i do think making it feel as cohesive as possible would have probably uh, that kind of traditional album release would have made more sense for it to work when put up against the type of thing i think that she would like to be compared to i mean yes if you're comparing it to you know a katie perry album or uh you know the the grimes album or whatever then yeah you know it's a completely different world and i do think there are a hell of a lot of those artists that at this point are not interested in or you know pay very little interest to it's cynically minded their their albums are put together in in a fairly kind of they're constructed with a cynical mind but mm. i don't think this i mean this album doesn't sound to me like it's constructed with a cynical mind at all not at i all. think that's one one of the kind of the most refreshing things about listening to it to be honest no, if having listened to quite a few modern pop records um i often feel kind of I mean, not to call it a modern pop record, but Ammo, but, you know, to go back to an album like Ammo by Bring Me The Horizon, which feels, you know, not that I dislike it, but it does feel like an album made by committee a lot of the time, you know? Yeah, And does. I don't feel like that about this record at all. Ironically, Ammo sounds more like um, it was the experiment of three separate releases that were then conjoined together than this record does. I, yeah. that That isn't the case, mm. but, you know, if you listen to the two separately and then asked did like a pepsi challenge test and asked people to point out the record which was split up i bet you they'd point to ammo in the majority mm. um, um yeah uh, yeah and, and uh, you know so i mean and also i think what if it is three p's i think what's the kind of interesting thing about this to me is that if it is three p's you can see hayley williams get better with every release and get more confident with every set of songs that's how i personally feel about this that's really interesting because um so again i will confess i only um i've been listening to this record without actually doing research on it and then yesterday as we record this i looked it up and was like oh it's three different eps so the majority of the listening i have done to this record has been as a whole right mm -hmm. um and interestingly for me the record um I, I don't enjoy if we're splitting it into thirds which we may as well do i enjoy the last third the least when listening to the album but i wonder if that is down to me sort of being tiring of the album at that point because when you put all three together as i say this is a almost 56 minute long album which for an album of this type i think is a bit long um yeah, but when I you listen when you listen to it in one big chunk i kind of i don't i don't think the songs the last five songs are necessarily weaker than any of the, the other tracks but i don't enjoy them as much because of the order that they come in 
you know i'm sure a song like i'm just trying to get one up sugar on the rim yeah sugar on the rim is a great example actually like sugar on the rim is a song that i quite like but if it was track three i'd probably be like this this song's fucking great do you know what I mean? Mm. So that's nothing yeah. That's nothing to do with the songs necessarily. I think it's just sort of, sort of the order that I come to them in. But I think that's even mm. more reason as to why in this particular case, I, I fucking love the album and I go on about how much I adore the record and, you know, to the point where I'm one of those guys, I pretty much exclusively listen to records. I never really, I very rarely listen to playlists. I very rarely go onto Spotify and click on an artist and just listen to the best tracks, yada, yada, yada. It's almost always albums for me. I am very old school when it comes to that sort of thing. But with this, I totally get the three different parts uh, EP release. And yeah, it's a business decision. Um, I, but I just think it's a very good one. I think it works. I like. That. I think mm. it probably debatably works better like that than it does as a record as a whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've touched on a few things which I was going to go over. And I think right. um, the first one of that is the length of the record. It, yes, it probably is a little bit too long. You know, pop records that go on for 56 minutes uh, can get a little bit draining. Um, we've spoken about Simmer. Uh, which I think is a really, really good opener. Uh, it's kind of ironic to me that the record gets has a, at the start. It gets a bit messy at the start for me. I think the song oh. Cinnamon is exactly the kind of lo-fi, dislocated, mumbling, not really a song that happens in modern pop right now that I just don't, I don't like. I think okay. Creeping is basically a chorus. I don't think it's a song. I think it's a bunch of stuff with a good chorus. I quite like Creeping. Well, I like yeah. I, I, the the hook in that chorus. I I I know what you're saying, but that's all. Why are you creeping round here? That's a that's a good hook. Yeah, is all I'm saying. But yeah, it is I a good hook. But but there's not a lot. It, there's no you know there's no meat on the hook. If yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, there's no meat um, around the hook. I would say. Okay, it's, fine. <laughs> um, Pedantry. And when and and when sudden desire starts, which is the fifth song, which would be the last song on Petals that One, EP, when that starts yeah. in yeah on on a kind of almost identical manner to everything else that's happened before, my heart sank a little bit, and I was like, ah, this feels like there's another ten tracks, and I feel like this is not a great start. I didn't hate it, but I mm. thought it's not a it's, it's a bit of a ho hum start. But then it actually goes into this kind of electric bass throb and this jazz chords, and I was like, oh, that's that's much more interesting. This is much better. This feels like a real step up." And from then on, it's a bit of a canter to the end. I think. I actually think the first bit of you know, with Simmer aside, those first four songs uh, are pretty ho hum. Um, and Sun Desire is great. And then Dead Horse comes along and it's fucking on from there. I mean, Dead that is, is that just lifts the whole album. It just lifts the entire mood of the record for me. I mean, even though the verses are quite quiet, it's still got such a massive joyous chorus, like a Katy Perry chorus. Um, Lots of Katy Perry on this, isn't there? Yeah, I beat yeah. it like a dead horse. I still sing along to your shitty little song. It's fucking yeah. excellent. It's fucking. It's a fucking excellent song. I th I think I agree. Dead Horse is a great song. Mm -hmm. uh, for my personal palate, it's probably a little bit too far into that pop territory for me. It's it's. It, funnily enough, it's exactly how I feel about Katy Perry. In that, I look <laughs> at Kate. I look at Katy Perry and what she does, and I'm like, you're clearly brilliant at what you do. Like in the main. Um, 
bar the odd bits and pieces here that I've heard, which I really do think are dreadful. But in the main, I think Katy Perry's brilliant, but I would never choose to listen to her. And and I think Dead Horse for me strays a little bit too far into that pop t- p- territory. But that is very much a personal taste thing. I still think it's a great song. Yeah, I think that's where we're going to, where we're going to sort of have to go. These are our, our personal things. Because yeah. the kind yeah, of yeah, quiet, yeah. delicate, lo-fi um modern more modern pop is not something that particularly excites me that much and there's bits and bobs of that on here and it mm. i think what's good about it is hayley williams puts things where i go oh, okay well yeah that makes that li- a little bit more interesting like there's a song called over yet which is quite poppy um but the verses are almost like a kind of really poppy yeah yeah yes and then the chorus is like jumping into a massive swimming pool on a hot day you know what i mean it's just That's, like ah there's and she's really massive, good at that there's massive 80s overtones on that song like yeah i, I mean yeah. you'll be able to tell me if these are accurate because you know more about that 80s pop thing than i do but i kind of wrote down kim wilde Gloria estefan and rick astley like it goes for that kind of <laughs> cheesy yeah. cheesy 80s yeah, it really pop. Does. but it pulls it off very well you know pulls it off really really yeah. really well um shall i tell you my favorite song on this record Go on then. I think Rose's Lotus Violet Iris is fucking amazing. Um, oh, really? That's interesting. Mm, longest song on the record. Classic, Renfrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a yeah. bit Niles Barkley-esque, I think, especially that the bass guitar in it particularly reminds me of yeah. Niles Barkley. Never a bad thing. Um, it also has a kind of emo-y vibe. I don't know. Ex- I can't put my finger on why I'm getting that exactly, and I don't know if I'm maybe just protracting that onto it because i know Haley williams really likes emo but um i i got a bit of an emo vibe from it but i just think that is a glorious brilliant pop song which shows what you can do with the pop genre i mean it's to call it like bohemian rhapsody-esque would be ott but it has many different kind of parts and it goes through lots of different um moods and but while still retaining its kind of pop essence. Uh, And I think Mm. that kind of songwriting in pop music is incredibly difficult. And I think, I think, I just think that song's, for me, it's, it's, it's easily the highlight, although there are, there are several highlights on this record. I think that are brilliant, but, but, but that song, every time it comes on, I just like this song's fucking brilliant. I, I love the kind of the staccato drum and I love the jazz I love the whole kind of jazz vibe part about it. The chorus doesn't really hit for me as much okay. as I would want a big chorus to hit. Um, I think Why We Ever is lovely. Mm-hmm. I think um, Taken is like a kind of modern pop version of Nora Jones. I really like that as well. Um, Sugar on the Rim, we've mentioned, is mm-hmm. proper Madonna, Lady Gaga, disco, like ludicrous in the best way. Diva as fuck. I think it's great kind of electro disco pop. Um, but for me, the best song on the record... Uh, is um is pure love i think hey i really like pure love yeah which i i think is great it's kind of 80s laush like sade in the verses (laughs) and then it goes into this chorus that could be like phil collins or the the cock the the soundtrack to the film cocktail like (laughs) that's interesting yeah it's that fucking it's that fucking 80s it is like as cheesy 80s ott as as anything you can imagine and and it's fucking great for it 
but I, it's great. I got a bit of a Motowny vibe from it as well, quite a subtle one, yeah. but I got it there. And I could also hear some of the bands and artists that I think quite likely influenced the Black Queen. Um, I don't think Pure Love is as dark a song musically as Where the Black Queen Go, but there was definitely echoes of the sort of uh, bands they were influenced by as well. Um, and yeah, that chorus is just brilliant. Like, like if I want pure love, I must stop acting so tough. Brilliant. It's so good. It's re- yeah. it's really good. It's undeniable. Like really, really, really it good is, songs. It's really good. Um, there's a kind of Taylor Swift vibe to Watch Me Bloom, which I think has got this sort of really good carnival atmosphere. I think the album ends with Crystal Clear, which is not one of the better songs on the record. Nah. But by then, I think for the most part, you know i've I've just gone through I and mean, we've gone through pretty much our 15 tracks i've picked three that i'm not that keen on yeah like out of 15 songs i i don't think there's anything on this record which is like bad there are there are songs which i prefer mm. to others i think you know for a 15 track 56 minute record that's probably going to happen quite you know that's that's just going to be par for the course isn't it and it's a very um diverse record it feels like it takes from loads of different elements of pop and r&b and 80s pop and so on and so forth like there's a lot going on here um and as i sort of said before it's also a record that has something to say there's a, a massive feminism um lyrical thread throughout um there's bits that talk about depression as well um she expresses these things in a really intelligent interesting vital way which is genuinely really inspiring um but even even when even when she goes into more kind of common um less deep topics like as uh, i don't know sudden desire for example which is it's a sexy song isn't it you know it's like it's all sexy it's like yes. four and titillation um so like you you know you love you love it when i read out um sexy lyrics in my brilliant white man manner um so uh, just do it i wanted him to kiss me how with open mouth and open mouth we keep our distance now i want to feel his hands go down i try not to think about what happened last night outside his house too far to go back now just want to feel his hands go down and even compared oh, to your dad, I <laughs> your am a dad. dad. Absolutely, but... your dad like dancing <laughs> on it as well. <laughs> but it's quite often when pop takes that kind of mm, sexy sort of vibe, it is just cringeworthy and embarrassing, and sometimes quite rapey. Um, obviously, more from the male perspective than a female perspective. But yeah, coming up later in the show, unfortunately, unfortunately, coming up later in the show. Um, and it's it's nice to hear a genuinely quote unquote sexy song which doesn't doesn't descend into that and call me old but i so rarely hear that in pop yeah like most of the time when it goes into that sort of thing and so much of it is about that sort of thing it's embarrassing and i don't think sudden desire is at all no it's a really good sexy song it's a good sexy song. <laughs> oh dear. Ah, dearie me. Yeah. I mean, this album's good, man. It's really good. When it's you, really good. When you brought this to me, if you had said that there was even the vaguest chance 
that I would go back to this album after listening to it, I would have been like, I, I doubt it. <laughs> but um, but come Christmas, Renfrey's going to be a bit of like a dead horse. <laughs> a bit of like a... I, I have no, no idea regarding albums of the year, yada, 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 in terms of this. It's so sort of far from my wheelhouse. It, w- it would be a really outlier uh, top 20 it, it, in my top 20. It would be a real outlier. Mm. It is not beyond the realms. It's, it's Stranger things have happened. I, I, that is not, that is not Don me. Don Broco, number three for me. <laughs> for you, yeah, yeah. So, you know. um, stranger things have happened. Um, and it does grow, you know, I've listened to it half a dozen times. It grows on me every time. I will definitely be going back to it um it's not what my neighbors are used to hearing coming out of my bedroom but it's probably they're over, delighted aren't they they're I'm sure. probably over the moon yeah <laughs> um <laughs> probably like Rembrandt, oh. can you turn that down, that music down please <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna listen to this song there's only got 23 minutes left <laughs> not more crescendo core um but yeah, I, I I think this is, you know, I think coming from a guy who like hardly ever listens to pop music, this is undoubtedly a pop album. Like there's no, there's no, I mean, if you called Paramore a pop punk band or whatever, like that's certainly sort of how they start. There's no pop punk in that. There's very little guitar in it or anything like that. This is undeniably mm. a pop record. It's really good though. It's really fucking very good. good. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. I do it's too. Pals from Remore by Hayley Williams. So there you go stranger things have happened yeah. um it could end up in renfrey's top 20 of the year that would be mad. that'd I mean, be mad now that yeah. i've said it it I, could I, do I, it's not as i say it's not honorable it's mention not, it's not beyond the realms of possibility yeah i mean right. I, I, you know yeah it's okay. it's may it's too early to be talking about that but yeah yeah um all right anyway let's move on uh the next album we're going to talk about comes from the hirsch effect it's called collapse it is the fifth album from the long time tekken metal in germans is that a <laughs> sense not sure it is uh it's a follow-up to their 2017 album escapist um renfrey you brought this in i am aware of the hirsch effect but i have mm. to say uh even though out of the two of us i'm probably the one who goes more into the realms of the the tech metal world mm. uh i I just was aware of the Hirsch effect. I don't think I'd ever listened to them before. Um, what made you so keen on bringing them to the table this week? What made me keen is um, I have bemoaned. Uh, I, I mean, I think if those who listened to my Euroblast review last year, um, that was a lot of me going, God, all tech metal bands sound the same, don't they? <laughs> like, and a lot of them do. Um, I don't think you're wrong to describe them as a tech metal band, but at the same time, I think you are very wrong to describe them as a tech metal band. Not because they aren't a tech metal band, but because they do not fit into those parameters of what no. people think of when we think of tech metal at all, do they? Um, in Germany, they are, are renowned enough to um, headline euroblast as i said um their fellow uh headliners were car bomb and between the buried and me um so you know relatively well sizable bands certainly in between the buried and me's case i mean between the buried and me would do like electric ballroom now and they were just about 1200 cap i think that was yeah, the last they were good, they yeah. mm. um and i saw these guys headline the opening night of euroblast like you i'd sort of heard of them but didn't really know all that 
much about them and I was completely and utterly blown away. The really interesting thing, so I appreciate this band are probably too obtuse to ever say headline Hammersmith Apollo or somewhere like that. But the venues that they currently play in the UK are way below their station. Um, a friend friend of the podcast and heavy blogger's heavy writer, Simon Clark, he went to see them at the Black Heart in 2017. Uh, it's bad enough that they're playing what was a 100-cap venue, but even worse than that, he claims that there was only around 30 people there when he saw them. Um, listening to this band, do you think that is absolutely bonkers? Yes, yeah, mad that. Yep, it's I mean, fucking mad because this band but it, are fucking amazing, aren't they? Yeah, and it it seems to be a thing that there are these really odd bands from different parts of Europe that are playing a type of tech metal or technical metal that is far more interesting than you know the standard sort of tech metal that w- that we would you know that kind of meshuggah worship that we yeah. talk about so much um, that don't seem to gain a lot of traction with yeah. that scene. Well, because what? sorry, that's I just think it's weird that that's it doesn't appear that for a scene labelled proggy or progressive, there doesn't seem to be any want for any of these bands to progress uh, in any way whatsoever. Because I mean, my mind immediately goes to Destrage, who are a yeah. similar band who are from Italy, who um, are pretty similar to what the Hirsch effect There's do definitely in similarities some part, in in some part in some parts um and you know they're they're not the, they're not a hype band in that scene really at all nope. i mean they, they were for a little bit but it felt like even when they were at their most hyped it wasn't massively massively hyped anyway um yeah uh, it, it's weird i think the differences between the Hirsch effect and the majority and, and the bands that you think of when you hear the term tech metal tech metal feels like a very kind of regimented sort of very tight focused um thing um it's very very sort of you you just mentioned Meshuggah, you know who I, I know they hate it but they're constantly um complimented for being machine like you know in in their precision and 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 how kind of uh clockwork like they are let's say yeah little sugar nod there um what i love about the hirsch effect is they have a real sort of looseness to and a a, a feeling of where the fuck are they going to go next mm. to them mm. which is really experimental really weird they predominantly remind me of and this might raise an eyebrow but they predominantly remind me of bands like biffy clyro or arcane roots um two other three three pieces who a sound like they are way have way more people in the bands than they really do i mean the fact that this is a three piece is fucking insane um i didn't even know that fucking yeah hell. yeah yeah three piece and Jesus. um you know I bemoaned the amount of tracks that were playing at Euroblast uh, when when I went to that festival. Um, this, I mean, obviously I don't know for an absolute fact, but didn't feel like there were many tracks to me. This felt really live, really raw, really in your face. Um, but I also think, I mean, the for fans of, on their press materials, I've already mentioned Biffy Clyro and Arcane Roots. The for fans of also mentioned the Mars Volta, Dillinger Escape Plan and Sixth all of which I think are accurate and fair as well. I think yeah. you could chuck in um, the vocal experimentation of Mike Patton in there as well. Yeah. I think that'd be fair, particularly on a song like Declaration. 
Um, there's the what the fuck are they going to do next unpredictability of System of a Down in there. And um, finally, not not that loads of people are going to know this band, but I also just want to throw in the hugely underrated Wild Throne as a stylistic comparison as well, which is a band I gave you for trade-off yeah. once and you yeah, fucking yeah. loved it from what I recall. Yeah, it's a great band. Um, sadly, only did one album and split up, but um, but I, I throw Wild Throne in there just because there's a lot of Wild Throne, I think. Uh, they self-describe themselves as indie electro post-punk metal mathcore, which as stupid as it sounds is pretty fucking accurate yeah um putting putting a label on this band putting like describe it's one of those bands where it's really difficult to describe it and i totally get the tech metal as a starting point but i also think it's really misleading uh just because of people's it's not wrong but i think i do think it's really misleading because people have an idea of what tech metal is Mm. um you know um i just think they I, I just think they're a fucking brilliant like i've i've when i saw that Euroblast set i um immediately went to the merch desk and bought their entire discography like and i very rarely do that that that's always a sign of me being absolutely blown away with the band you know and at that, that, that point they had like four albums i just bought them all i just thought fucking they were hell. fucking great you know absolutely amazing i think this record is um as good as the last one which was probably my favorite it might even be better um i think whilst you could describe the band as challenging i think they're easier to digest than some of their contemporaries comparing them to their fellow headliners at euroblast i think they're easier to digest than carbon definitely because they're not don't you think well yeah i do um, um that's and- the longest sentence oh, fucking oh it's still going jesus go on <laughs> And between the buried and me, well, between the buried and me was the other one. I think they're easier to yeah. digest than between the buried and me as well. Um, yeah, probably. So I'm a little bit, I am, I am flummoxed as to why they have not had more traction in this country. Do you have any idea why that is based on this one album? Uh, not really. No, okay. I mean only that. Well, okay. So I got sixth, quite a lot of sixth. Um, yeah. The more the cleaner elements uh, reminded me of the Blood Brothers. Mm. Um, uh, lots of Destrage, who I love. A bit of the Dillinger Escape Plan, obviously. Not really any of Meshuggah, really. No, no, it's not. Like, Meshuggah, not really, because you know when you when we say tech metal, you immediately go, "Ah, oh, Meshuggah." They don't really sound anything like they're Meshuggah too. At all. They're too loose and um, bouncy um, to be Meshuggah. They're, they're too. They're too. El- they have an ele- 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 elast- elastic. Oh, fucking hell! E- elasticity. Have- yes. Yes. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> I glitched there. Probably didn't I went elast, 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 elast. <laughs> you definitely did. <laughs> that was um, weird. Yeah. No. They're totally different. There's there's one song on the record. Um, the title track actually seven and a half minute title track, um, which at one point it starts sounding like Dillinger's One of Us Is the Killer. Then it sort of morphs into something which sounds like Nine Inch Nails and then ends in a sort of damnation era Opeth kind of riff. And it's like, Mm. what is there not to love about that? And it's all done really, really, really well. Like they are fucking amazing musicians and they are super, super talented and, and, you know, can play amazingly well. But it never feels like they're showing off. It never feels it always feels like they're serving the song, which I definitely think you can point to most tech metal bands and say, well, your, where's the song yeah where's that you're whacking in a you know 10 minute guitar solo there but we're all bored off our tits watching it you know um i mean i might i i really wanted to bring this in because i moan i've moaned a lot about 
the formulaic uh, nature of metal recently, um, as some of our listeners keep reminding me all the time, um, because it's just the same fucking thing over and over again. And this is what I want to hear metal bands doing. You know, I want to hear them. I want to be surprised. I want. I want mm. to feel. Hear something that feels fresh and exciting and dangerous. Like this feels dangerous to me. When it's heavy, it's fucking heavy. You know, yeah. I mean um, that's my favourite bits when it goes fucking berserk. Yeah. it's really good. When and it goes, blo- I mean, I think some of those tech bands actually sound tired when they go to those places. Absolutely, they sound like, oh, we have to do this, but. You know, there's the, the driving, but there's a song called, I think it's like the third or fourth song, uh, All Mende, which mm-hmm. fucking, when they go heavy, when they go fast, when they blast, oh. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're really heavy um, when they want to be, but they can also be really, really light if they want to be. I mean, the final track to me evokes Agent Fresco, which long-term listeners will yeah. know is never a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, the final song ends with a children's choir, which is usually a big fat no-no <laughs> yeah, for no, metal yeah. bands. But the Hirsch effects pull it off brilliantly. I mean, yeah, when that if, came in, I did go, oh no. But then but, it was actually quite good. But it's so, good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really good. And I mean, I I, I don't really, I, I, think, I think this isn't immediate in the sense that a lot of um, metal stuff that we talked about recently is immediate. But I think... There are hooks there. I think you need to dig a little bit deeper to find them, but they are there. It's not just them sort of wanking off and going on their own sort of journeys inside their heads at all. There's two things I wanted to bring up. Three things, actually. Now, um, there's a kind of European, distinctly European flavour to this. Do you uh, think so? Which is, yes, because um, there's Destrage, when you talk about describing it, tech metal seems less um, accurate than jazz. Because I remember when, when Apple Joath came out, they were considered like jazz core. Mm. And they remind me a lot of Apple Joath, who I think are fucking great. If you've never heard The Painter's Palette by Apple Joath, that is a great record from the sort of early noughties. And it's got a big flavour of that on it. I do think, you know, I can see the, the comparisons to Discharge as well. And also... Mm. Um, and this is where it really stopped me in my tracks. And I went, fucking hell, this is well different. Is the second track, Noja, has mm. got this kind of French, 90s French hip hop vibe when he's like, nobody can stop me now. I'm living the dream, that part. Yeah. That sounds like that kind of, when, when there, was, there was a moment in the kind of mid to late 90s where French hip hop was really, really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that, it just evokes that. And I just thought, hmm. Well, this isn't your standard tech metal album that we've got here at all, is it? Because that's, you know, that's like maybe what Candiria would have done, mm-hmm. uh, although they do it from a, a more New York sort of perspective. So there's, so I think it does have this really interesting European flavor to it, and not in a kind of the, you know, when I say European, I don't mean Swedish death metal way. I mean, it's just it's got that nods to italian music italian sort of jazz metal french hip-hop and of course they sing in german as well yes yes. which i think is a really interesting to do thing to do and it's a style that actually it lends itself to that language quite well i think i've never heard it done before but i think it it really does work i mean it gives them character doesn't it 
Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, the first band people will think of when they think of a band singing in German is Rammstein. Rammstein. But, mm. um, but this isn't... There are teeny bits here and there, um, not even on this record so much, but I'd say throughout their career, there are teeny bits here and there where you go, oh yeah, that sounds a bit like Rammstein. But to be honest, that is just... That's probably more down to my ignorance of the German language and me hearing a German person singing over metal stuff than well, it is. It, you know. It's kind of it's kind of both a silly comparison, yet an obvious comparison. Yes, yes. Do yes. you know what I mean? It, it's it's not it's it's the obvious comparison to make, but it's not one that really it's makes totally any sense. But inaccurate, yeah. But then it kind of does as well because Germans yeah. have this way of commanding drama, their accent and the words they use. Are, are dramatic and musically this has nothing really to do with Ramstein, but like there's a song called Domstol on it and the opening part to that is just so dramatic mm-hmm. that and Teutonic that you can't help but go oh yeah Ramstein as well absolutely when you first when you started positing the european flavor i thought and i think i misunderstood you initially but i thought you were going to say there was a european flavor to it power metal doesn't yeah that doesn't translate to the uk very well and on paper you might assume that that's the case with the hirsch effect because in in germany and in europe as a whole they are a pretty sizable band whereas here yeah, they play the Black Heart to thirty people, which is which. But I don't think. Um, but I, I understand you're not saying that. But I don't think that European sensibility that us Brits don't get sometimes. I don't think that's a. It's not Nightwish, is it? You know. Oh no no no! I mean, obviously, obviously the UK have got Nightwish now, but but we but yeah, but the UK was one of the last um, mm. to get those bands. Ramstein as well. Mm. Yeah, it's know. true. Yeah, Ramstein were hideously uncool when uh when yeah. uh what was it when Senshut came out wasn't it oh yeah um, uh, they were, seen as, they were yeah. seen as a joke in this country yeah I'm sure. absolutely they were people kind of forget that now but they were um but yes i do think it has got that it's just something that sets them apart even further from your average common and garden um tech metal band i i think this is very very good yeah I, I really th- like it. Is I sense, it as good I as Destrage? Yeah, I was about to say I sense a slight bit of reservation in um your in your tone. Here's what I'm going to say. Okay. I think this is similar, but better than the last couple of Destrage albums, but still not quite as good as. Um, uh, are you kidding me? No. Do you know what? Despite promising you that I would listen to, are you kidding me? No, I still not managed to get round to it. Um, so I would say, for me, the Hirsch effect are undoubtedly better than Destrage, but I've only heard the last two records. So yeah, I, I well, I think this is better than the last two Destrage records, definitely. definitely. But I still think that is the pinnacle of European tech underrated tech metal madness. Um, I but must pushes, check out that album. But this pushes it fucking close. Yeah. Well, I they think. and you fucking and wasn't that uh, in your top, albums of the top decade? twenty albums of the decade? yeah okay so you do really like it then oh yeah yeah i do <laughs> you really yeah. like it i yeah. just wanted yeah. to make that distinction that i still I, I think this is as it's as close as you're gonna get to me saying that one of these albums is better than that Destrage album that coming from you that is saying quite a lot i think considering how mm. much you've wanged on about that Destrage album yeah so yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah which is fucking brilliant and i having heard that i think that is still for me sets the you know you, it's more mental than anything 
anything else um but this is this runs it a pretty close second it's very good so there you go it's called collapse it's by the hirsch effect and it is out right now um let's move on to our next album it comes from winterfelleth the album is called the reckoning dawn it's the seventh album from the uk's most successful black metal band since um well i you know i was going to say cradle of filth but let's be honest it's probably akakoka really isn't it who have come yeah in their aftermath so one of those two um but all the same a very very successful uh black metal band here in the united kingdom the follow-up to 2018's the harrowing of air doom which was a fully acoustic and folk influenced project yep so i'm told Remfrey. yes it was i i um i i've listened to that album in fact i know the hallowing Doom and uh what's the other one i know really well the dark hereafter yep. um which on doing research for this record it's been quite an interesting journey this record for me um yeah. i'm gonna tell you a little story um about 10 years ago i was at a house party and it was one of these house parties where it was full of people who were perfectly nice people but i wouldn't be socializing with in that normal context um and it was a little bit awkward and weird i looked around and there was a guy in an earache t-shirt uh called mike bond hello mike you might be listening to this and um as metalers often are attracted to one another we just sort of walk towards one started another kissing. And started making out yeah uh which was very irritating for our girlfriends at the time and um we you know just ended up talking metal and drinking beer yada yada um inevitably at one point we sort of got our probably mp3 players out at the time and started playing each other music and he played me a blast of winterfelleth um because he was more of an extreme metal guy at that time in particular i was always like i really you know respect extreme metal but i've never fully got into it he played me a blast of winterfellas and i was like this is fucking cool i really really like this and then totally forgot about them for ages um then yeah i think it was the dark hereafter coming out in 2016 that came out so i bought that listened to it and i was like this is cool but i'm not getting the same feeling that i was before maybe you know from that party maybe i was just a bit drunk or something yada yada then the hallowing heardom came out i listened to that and i thought it was cool but in terms of extreme metal bands doing that acoustic record type thing i mean the one that people go to is uh uh damnation right opus damnation i mean that's yep. that's the first one i think of it didn't i thought it, the hallowing Heardom's cool but it's not it's not great it's it's all right um but i thought maybe yeah maybe i'd sort of jumped the gun with winterfellas and i wasn't sure that they were quite as amazing as um uh what i heard at that party having done research for this the general consensus is that the first four albums winterfellas released i.e the four albums that i have not heard <laughs> are brilliant and they took a bit of a downturn with um the dark hereafter and the hallowing Airdom. not no, i don't think either of those records were poorly received but not as well received as those first first four listening to the reckoning dawn well spoiler it's my favorite of the three records that they've that i've heard um so and i do feel like looking at a couple of the other reviews as well that this feels like i think return to form would be a little bit ott but it's definitely better than what i had heard before uh what are your feelings on it um i heard the i so you know i remember probably hearing about them around 2013 
because I don't go mad into the deep into the underground of black metal. So, yeah, you know, I, was, I sort of became aware of them then. Um, I presented, I interviewed them backstage at the 2015 Metal Hammer Golden Gods Awards. Oh, cool. Uh, where they picked up the, be- the the award for best underground band, and that was after the Divination of Antiquity had been out a little while. So I checked that record out. I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to them because you know it's a fucking big deal that this you know best underground band was this you know black metal band from from the UK. So from, I went and listened to it. From my research, that is meant to be a great album. Do I you think concur? it's really good. Okay. Yeah, it's really really good, really good. Um, and then I just sort of forgot about them. I don't really know w- what happened exactly, but uh, I forgot about them. Maybe I, <laughs> maybe my my voice was lost in amongst the many, um, or you know, I was influenced by the 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 people who were like, yeah, you can't like them, they're Nazis and all that kind of stuff, which has sort of followed them around a little bit. For what it's worth, just to touch on this, because people probably that you know there is a, a very small minority of people who will be screaming uh, for us to at least acknowledge this um winter Phillips are a band who are from what i can tell um they they seem to be um very keen to explore their anglo-saxon roots yeah in yeah, their yeah, music yeah. right yeah. now um i've heard people say and, but I but I can't say this because I'm not there, so I'm only reporting what people said to me. By all accounts, the problems that people seem to have with them is that that exploration of their Anglo-Saxon roots is somehow linked to some sort of, you know, um, the purity of the English race or whatever. I don't know. And apparently... A sort of, a sort of BNP mentality. Yeah, and, and, and apparently um, the, the singer has said some things on stage before. I... I can't confirm nor deny that because I've seen Winterfelleth once. I saw them at Bloodstock last year or maybe the year before, and I thought they were very good. Um, he didn't say anything that m- made me go, rawr, rawr. but I think there seems to be a tendency from people to um, to jump the gun a little bit uh, regarding um, a band going, we want to sing and celebrate our Anglo-Saxon roots. And, I'm not going to do that. So mm. I don't know. So the answer to your question, if you're positing it right now, is, do you know what? I got this record. I got a record in 2014. I don't know much about them. I haven't researched it. I'm not in a position to be able to tell you what I think they genuinely mean or what they believe. So here's what I'm going to say. Ignorance is bliss. And so- I'm going to listen to this for, for, for the music that I can hear. And for the music that I can hear... I like it. For what it's worth, I was completely and utterly naive to any of that. I didn't know any of of that at all. And from the three records that I've heard, I don't really hear that. I mean, it's difficult to pick out black metal lyrics at the best of times anyway, but Mm. I I don't really hear that. The the Anglo-Saxon roots just seem to be, they, they seem to like English folk music. I don't really see anything wrong with that. I mean, I like English folk music does that mean that i'm a nationalist no i don't think so no, I, I, don't, I don't know i mean i, I don't I think know, there's but... i think there's more to it than that okay. um and maybe we should have maybe i should have made a point of researching that a little bit more i did do you know what i, I actually did to be honest i did have a little look just to, because i i had a feeling that a couple of people that there was the, the chance that people would go why didn't you mention that so i went to have a little bit of a look but to be perfectly honest with you 
I just got bored looking for it and I thought <laughs> I'd just listen to the record instead. And maybe that makes me a fucking, I don't know, um, not a very good journalist or somebody Make, who's... Makes who you knows. a Nazi in my book. Or maybe it makes me a Nazi. But mm. um, but I, I don't really... I just wanted to, to say that because I think it is, unfortunately, it's something that's followed them around. And I think people would be like, why didn't you say that if we didn't mention it? Mm-hmm. But then also, on the other hand, I think we're not reviewing the things they said in the past. We're reviewing this record. And although it's important to have context regarding their career, um, it's more important to really just talk about whether or not this record is any good. And and it is good. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I, it is I, I like it. It's big, bombastic, sort of, it's quite orchestral black metal not orchestral in the demuborgia sense but but yeah, yeah there's metal well, choirs on it and it's got mm. a good production it's not that biscuit tin production thing i was going to ask you if um i mean particularly the end of the last song in darkness begotten which goes very symphonic and almost one might say you know it's it's um it's just under 10 minutes long it almost goes a bit kind of post something at that point doesn't it it's funny Are you a fan uh, of that a few of the I, I i love it a few of the um reviews have mentioned that that song goes a bit post-rock i don't really see that all that much i mean you say it's almost 10 minutes long winterfell have loads of 10 minute odd songs yeah 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 so you know so based on that no not really um i just feel <laughs> I, I just feel it's really cinematic uh rather than post-rock really um but but yeah. I, you know yeah i really like it um i i think it's a really really good song and it's a really good boost towards the end of the record towards towards the end of what is a long record i will say this is just shy of an hour long i don't know if it fully um keeps my interest throughout but there's enough variation in it for me to be interested for the majority of it um i think it's quite it, it it doesn't quite match the spectacle so i was comparing it to the black metal records that i really really dug in the last couple of uh years or well last year particularly like the smash. big ones smash and numenorian i don't think it's up to the standards of either of those it doesn't quite match the spectacle of that smash record which i raved about last year and uh compared to the satanist much to everyone's chagrin it seems um and when it goes into its more sort of subtle sonics, um, I don't think they're. I don't, I don't think they're as, sex, as successful as they were on that new Minorian record, for example, from mm. last year, because mm. the the new Minorian record made brilliant songs out of their more ambient sonic moments, whereas on this record, they're really the 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 less the more ambient folky stuff is very welcome and i'm glad it's there but it does feel more like it's there to um relieve the battering assault as opposed to them being brilliant parts or brilliant songs in their own right how do you feel about it in comparison to say the ashbringer record that we spoke about last year which we both were like oh the production's not great but the songs are well the production's brilliant on this record that's the thing, isn't it? Is I think this does sound really great. Although, again, I think composition-wise, it's not as interesting as that record. Yeah, I probably would agree funny, with that. A funny thing. I think there are, point, are points where I mean, I mean, this this doesn't really do anything new with that genre of no. atmospheric black metal. Although I do think the cinematic touches um, are a, a kind of a, a nice distraction like you say mm-hmm. if you want to, if you're saying it's a distraction um and obviously they have done other stuff before because we've just been talking about a full-blown folk acoustic album so i think they mm-hmm. are capable of 
doing other things but maybe they've just realized that what they're they're good at doing and that's absolutely fine i mean there's a song called greatness a greatness undone which is really really wicked mm-hmm. um and you know the atmospheric stuff is is great i mean it does interest me as much as you know sort of pushing the sound of what black metal can do forward in a way that like i mean to the point where you know the last death heaven album had practically nothing at all to do with black metal whatsoever mm-hmm. um but i love the record yeah and i yeah. don't think it kind of does that uh, you know obviously they're a far more traditional black metal band than somebody like mm-hmm. death heaven that's obviously that's that's clear um it's more walls in the throne room yes, than it is yeah. uh death heaven isn't it yeah yeah of course yeah. yeah um but yeah i do think it is good like it's a good record yeah i agree i i think i think this is a good record as well i i um and it's also made me uh want to go back and listen to those first four records that i probably should have listened to before um what you know shortly after that party um and it sort of reminded me that i probably should have done that a while ago whereas listening to the dark hereafter and the hallowing heredom just made me kind of not feel the need to go back to those first four records you know what i mean so Mm. so that's clearly a step up you know um in that respect um yeah i i think you know this isn't this doesn't match my favorite black metal um releases from the last couple of years but it's not miles off yeah i think it's quite good i quite like it um but there you go i think that's that covered uh yeah. that's winterfelleth the reckoning dawn which is out right now right the last album that we're going to review is the self-titled album from fake names this is the debut album from the punk rock supergroup that consists of refused front frontman dennis lixon minor threat and bad religion guitarist brian baker ex embrace and dag nasty drummer michael hampton and bassist johnny temple of girls against boys fame um as we all know i was pretty ho-hum about that last refused album That's a and I understated am, it is yeah <laughs> and i am pretty ho-hum about supergroup projects like this in general for the most part so i'm not gonna lie renfrey as much as i like all of those bands uh, i did go into this with a touch of trepidation uh-huh. i have to be honest yeah um uh, sound wise i think this has got far more to do if you're looking for a kind of pointer in the direction of which one of those bands um, this most sounds like. Um, Far more to do, again, uh, I've said this about Freedom, the last Refused album, but I think even more so in this. Far more to do with the International Noise Conspiracy than it has with Refused. Absolutely. If you're looking at Dennis Lixon's back catalogue. Certainly more to do with uh, that than either Minor Threat or Bad Religion or Dag Nasty for sure. Yeah. there is a little touch of girls against boys in there a little yep. touch um just from scott mcleod's um sorry johnny temple it's not scott mcleod it's johnny temple's um bass playing um but you know this is kind of proper old man playing garage rock old men your uncles getting together uh, it, it never goes hard like the aforementioned band members previous bands um, I, don't, I don't think it tries to though but to yeah, be, it doesn't to be really fair to, try it. to. I well, mean, you say that. I mean, the first song, "Fake um, uh, All for Sale," mm. it says in the press release, built on performances both relentlessly kinetic and unfailingly precise. Fake names kicks off with the glorious fury of "All for Sale." I glorious mean, glorious fury. I mean, I think that's just 
a badly written press release. Um, that said, I do think the opening paragraph of the press release puts this um, album and the band into perspective. Um, so if you will allow me in early 2016 dc punk legends brian baker and michael hampton met up at hampton's brooklyn home to play music together with no intentions beyond possibly writing a song or two friends since first grade the two guitarists ended up writing a handful of songs that day then closed out the session with a spur of the moment decision to start a band when it came to finding a bassist baker and hampton looked to johnny temple of girls against boyd and Soulside, another fellow student at their elementary school who equally shared their passion for what temple refers to as loud angry visceral music by the end of the year the band had listed refused frontman dennis lixon as their singer thus cementing the lineup to punk rock supergroup fake names this is a group born out of friendship and um kicking back and having a laugh is probably going a little bit too far but but fun this is a project which is sort of there for fun and enjoyment and um i think it needs to be taken in that light as well oh yeah it, it absolutely does but i mean it's very slight it's 28 minutes long 10 songs um the, the sonic sound of the record international noise conspiracy is absolutely right in terms of sort of the distorted guitar tone is a it is it's fuzzy as opposed to heavy um yeah. i think describing it as loud angry i mean to be fair that that part of the press release doesn't describe fake names as loud angry visceral music it just it just says that the the people involved have a connection with loud angry visceral music which i think is fair this mm. is this is probably out of all of those projects this is one of the least heavy um of of those projects but i don't think that in and of itself makes it bad um no i don't makes, think it makes it bad it makes um, it sound quite slight I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the second song could be off of off a, a Foo Fighters album, like the last Foo Fighters album. Mm. You know, it's it, it's not wild and untamed uh, or, or punk. It's, you know, it's not really that punky at all, is it? It's kind of garage rocky. Um, I, th- I think it's far more garage rock than punk. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the album not, as a whole, I would say. Yeah, but, but it's not even... I mean, it does... It lacks, you know, to me, it, it lacks a bit of pace. And I think one of the things that's interesting that I read was that um, they took the demos of the record to Brett Gerwitz uh, of Epitaph and Bad Religion fame, obviously, Mr. Brett. And he said, here's a, here's here's the demos. Um, we're going to do the album now. And he went, no, 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 no. Put them out. Put out, put out the demos. Oh. That's the album. Which. <sighs> oh, okay. I mean, I, I feel like there could have been more to it than this. Because I don't think this is bad. I think it's good to hear Dennis be a little bit more melodic like he was on Freedom and like he was on the the, the International Noise Conspiracy stuff. And there's definitely a charm to, to this record. I don't think yeah. it's, the songs aren't bad. It's not going to blow anyone away. I like yeah. that there's a song called Heavy Feather that's got a really cool riff that is very Girls Against Boys, actually. And it's got this kind of like doo-woppy backing vocals that the, the other guys do. And and I like that. Um there's uh the pre-chorus the first everlasting is fucking great as well yeah but um after there's, some, that, there's some really weird like whoa's in there as well yeah. which i'd never imagine refused doing or anything like that they're more like no. hold steady whoa whoa whoa's yeah if that makes sense but um but after that in terms of picking things that i really that really excite me about the record i'm sort of out to be honest yeah it, it, it's it's like, like, 
I want to defend this record to an extent because I don't, I, I don't, I, I think it's quite an interesting, enjoyable thing sometimes when bands sort of cut loose and do something a little. I think it can be really good for bands to do that. And I think sometimes it can strengthen their other projects outside of those bands. Um, whether that's the case with this or not, we'll have to see. But, you know, I mean, a good example of someone who does this a lot, Walter Schreifels um, of Quicksand and um, uh, Rival Schools fame. Rival Schools, come on. Yeah, all right, give me a second. Um, is infamous. Gorilla Biscuits as well. Gorilla Biscuits is infamous for basically forming bands releasing an album and then moving on and forming another band and releasing an album and you know he's he's i, I i'm always curious to pick up a water trifles record because i fucking love water trifles i think he's brilliant it reminds me of a album he did did you ever listen to walking concert no i didn't walking concert was a project i'm guessing 2007 um which was sort of water trifles like it's super super short it's like half an hour it's very melodic um i was about to say pop punk and then realized that that would give the wrong idea it's not pop punk but it's punk with very poppy melodies Mm. there is a distinction there it's difficult to do you understand the distinction i'm making there i know what you mean there is a distinction there it's not pop punk but it's a punk record with poppy melodies i think this is this reminded me of that uh walking concert record enormously the walking concert album is a record which i like when it's a lovely sunny day occasionally i put it on and for half an hour it makes me feel quite chipper and happy and i imagine that this i don't think this is as good as walking concert personally but i imagine that this could do the same for potentially refuse fans or maybe minor threat fans potentially or bad religion or whatever you know and i don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that is it an amazing record uh, no but I don't think anyone ever expected it to be either, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, I, I think I think no, no, no. I think it does what it needs to do within the parameters that it set for, it's, for itself. It's just those parameters are quite low. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I'm not going to go back to it to be honest. It's it was it was a like oh yeah, there's Dennis and oh that's yeah. cool. It's Brian Baker and you know Johnny Temple's in. He's one half of you know the one of my favorite bass guitar duos yeah ever um and i love girls against boys um and i wish they'd fucking come back but um yeah yeah but yeah but you know you know yeah good you had a nice time i'm here to review it unfortunately and <laughs> I, I, <laughs> do you know what i mean it, you, you know, put it out now and, and it gets reviewed and yes it could be good for bands and yes but but what you will never do is i think if in if you know there are some like Hazen Street and um, like Killer Be Killed even as well. I think if some or Nail Bomb, whereas if like mm. in 15 mm. years we come to review another one, inevitably there will be another one of these. And we go, do you remember fake names? You'll go, I listened to it the week it came out and I never listened to it again. I, um, I, I definitely agree that it's unlikely I'll go back to this record, but it's still an interesting curio and... Mm. It's 28 minutes, and if you're a fan of either of those bands, it's probably worth giving a cursory listen. But it's not going to yeah. blow you away. But but, no. but I I kind of think that they that's all right. You know, I think yeah, it puts war fine. music into perspective as well. I think war music's a lot better than this album. But there you go. I think it's a bit better. I think it's a lot better. <laughs> it's a lot better than this record. Mm. But yeah, I, I was actually listening to it, and I was like, God, he's. I, <laughs> 
there's there's nothing on here that I go, oh God, like if you don't say, if you hear this, you're a weapon. There's nothing as bad as that on this. Um, anyway, so I think the overall, this is probably lower in quality overall, but the bad, there's nothing as bad as the worst stuff on War Music, is what I would say. Okay, it's fine, isn't it? It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right. So there you go. That's fake names, fake names. Let's move on to Broken Records. That's how we like to end the show. Isn't it, Rimfrey? Um Recently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we like to. We always, always like to. Um, let me just run down what we have in our search for the worst album ever made. In descending order so far from the eight albums that have been placed into our list, we have... Bob Dylan at number eight, Lou Reed at number seven, The Enemy at number six, Dirty Vegas at number five, Viva Brother at number four, uh, Queen and Paul Rogers or B Dop and the Pervy Man, as I <laughs> as I as I called them to you earlier uh, that you liked, uh, Eorgen Quigg and is number two, and still clinging desperately onto number one uh like that bit of shit in the back of the toilet that you just can't get rid of um it's six feet under graveyard classics volume two paint a picture (laughs) but it is it's horrible like that um this week on broken records we go to to 2008 to choo 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 2008 Uh, January the 18th, 2008, to be exact, for the third album by US Garage Rockers, Louis the 14th. Um, Just a little bit of background on Louis the 14th. Louis the 14th are a band who come from San Diego, California. Uh, They formed in 2003. And almost immediately, literally within a year, uh, they were a big bloody deal because... um, I'm always, and I'm always skeptical of bands like this. Uh, when that kind of hipster return to proper, proper rock and roll shit was happening in the early part of the noughties, for me, there were two types of bands. There were those that I liked and that I felt had a genuine kind of kinship with rock music and, and really longed to make interesting, forward-thinking rock music with a nod and a twist to its past. So I'm thinking of bands like White Stripes, The Hives, The Darkness, the Datsuns, Winnebago, Dill. And then there were these chances that would have been in a new metal band or a Britpop band or a grunge band if the era was right. So Jet, the Von Bondies, Tower of London, the Vines. And I always had Louis Fourteenth pegged as one of them, even though they had the patronage of Josh Homm uh, and Brody Dahl. Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Early on in their career, they got Jonathan Ross um, to... They, Blagged their way onto the Jonathan Ross show. Zane Lowe played them quite a lot. Um, uh, they opened for the Killers a whole bunch of mm-hmm. times, which sort of confirmed my suspicions. Um, and in 2007, only you know four years after they formed, David Bowie, David fucking Bowie, was saying that they that they were one of his favourite bands in the world. Fine. Ah, okay. I mean, I still avoided them like the plague. I mean, I was getting into Behemoth at the time, so of course I did mm-hmm. um, because there was something about them. That always felt a bit enemy, always felt a bit try hard to me, even from the very, very, very little that I knew. Um, I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was. I'm Renfrey. just going to jump in super quickly and yeah. admit that I knew nothing about this band. Um, and actually, you've put things into a bit more context for me uh, in understanding why this album was received in the manner that it was. 
Um, generally negative reviews, a score of 37 on Metacritic, uh, which isn't great. Um, also a pretty huge drop from their previous album, The Best Little Secrets Are Kept, which had a perfectly respectable score of 62. I mean, not, not mind-blowing, but like 62 is all right. So yeah, so Louis the Fourteenth, one of those bands that I just looked at and I thought, I don't trust them. Right. I just don't I just don't trust them. And I couldn't ever quite put my finger. There's no reason for that other than I just was like, I don't trust them. And I remembered that as I was doing the sort of research for all of this, right? And there's a piece on their Wikipedia page entitled Controversy. And under the piece saying controversy there is a um there is a a quote from jason hill who is their vocalist and guitarist also plays uh, bass and piano for them as well Uh, he's kind of the multi-instrumentalist guy and it says this it says hoover alabama banned us we weren't allowed to perform in the city at the time i have no idea why we first found out about it on cnn the night before the vmas in miami we still got paid to play the show and we just hung out in miami another day we needed a break anyway it was really very idiotic. I thought I've been called a sexist and a male chauvinist. There was a really great article in the San Francisco paper, The Guardian, which was called 10 Reasons Why You Should Not Like Louis Fourteenth. It was one of my favourite articles I've ever read about us, as it was all about the music being some of the best of the last 20 years, but that we were irresponsible morally, so everyone should avoid us. It's so far from the truth, but I've even been called a racist when I use the terms chocolate girl and vanilla girl. I was being playful, but in some way, ways the most negative press can also be the biggest compliment <laughs> ah, i love negative press that paints me in an inaccurate light it's the best no i do i love it no good i love it and that's when it clicked for me Renfrew. i thought yes that's why isn't it that's why i don't like the way i just had the suspicion that that was part of their psyche oh no good good i'm glad we get no i like being told that i'm a racist when i'm not (laughs) you don't get it like come on it's Um, that pretty pathetic attitude of kind of like um well you just don't understand man um because i'm so much more artistic and uh brilliant than you will ever realize a little bit Mm. like um what's this face al moomin from the heart machine Um, but yes um yeah i mean undoubtedly all of that is here uh but then mm. it's there in lots of bands isn't it it is but so the whole kind of that proper a bit like we talked with the enemy and um and and viva brother that kind of whole proper rock thing started kind of dying out and this record was released so i think this record being born into you know 2008 is probably not the best time for that record to be coming out so whilst they were doing a lot of shows with the killers and many bands that we would have covered as i just mentioned those that we covered in this segment segment they split um very soon after this record was released to um like many of the bands that we talk about uh, that they split quite soon afterwards um just after this record was released which is which is weird isn't it it's almost like the negative press did affect them after all and that that they did care about the press and they just couldn't be bothered to go through any kind of rough periods in their career at all that's funny isn't it because they're just saying how you don't really you love the negative press and then when you get it and it all goes tits up you just give up 
Mm. I mean, it, it, it does feel like that uh, maybe the man doth protest too much uh, when yeah. he's talking about the negative press. Yes, I, I absolutely... Yeah. Uh, I, I can't disagree with anything that you're saying so far. Absolutely not. So I think that's quite interesting. Um, uh, let's get to the, the reviews. As you said, it's got 37 uh, out of 100 is its kind of Metacritic score, which, you know, it, it's not as bad as some of the others that we've reviewed. A lot of no. that, I think, goes down to the fact that it got a three and a half in Rolling Stone. I can't find the review. I'm, presumably, they've deleted it because they're embarrassed. But um, just on that note, it's really difficult to find reviews of this album. It's almost as if there was a campaign by the band or the man or the label or something to get rid of them. Right. Yeah, yeah, speculation. Um, <laughs> Slant magazine hammered it. They called it soulless to the core in their one out of five review. Um, uh, there is also a um, uh, an interview on Pop Matters. Uh, where again they absolutely slammed it. It said Brian Carsig, the singer on Louis Fourteenth, uh, the singer on a Louis Fourteenth song, always sounds like he's about to sneeze. Somebody please <laughs> teach Louis Fourteenth how to play "Welcome to the Jungle." Banish them into the fraternity party circuit where they might actually be appreciated. And uh, finish off by saying they have a considerable amount of work to do for listeners to regard them as anything more than aimless glam rock fetishists. Uh, Pitchfork gave it two out of 10. And I think this is where uh, somebody really hits home as to why this record is here. I think it, it opens up by saying, Psst, I don't know if anyone knows this yet. It may not even be on Wikipedia, but Louis XIV loved to fuck. And apparently they often do so. Just listen to their music or read their lyrics or look at their album art, watch their videos, play their records in reverse, expose their press release to an ultraviolet light source or, well, you get the point. Oh yeah, they occasionally play rock and roll, which I hear is this style of music with an accentuated backbeat or whatever, but that's only really to receive inspiration to fuck more. Sadly, while while more... Wa- uh, Walmart and Christian censor groups will bristle at these obscene sounds and images. There's really nothing uniquely shocking about Louis XIV, just disgusting or even worse, plain dull. If they really wanted to ruffle feathers, they'd be championing ideas like global warming is a myth, not graphic but predictable sex romps, or even the half assed Iraq war rants on free won't be what it used to be. <laughs> and a quote from the lyrics, march out, soldier the bugle calls. Louis XIV only give you testosterone-fueled rock at its least appealing extremes, heedless lust, or arguably even more repulsive cheesy balladry. And I think that's the problem with this record, isn't it? It's just a boring, smutty piece of shit that's aged (laughs) really badly. Um, I don't strictly disagree with that. Um... I think, uh, uh, just to pop back to the Pop Matters thing um, briefly, I read uh, a a review on Pop Matters and you mentioned it there where they were called glam rock revivalists. Musically, this isn't glam rock, is it? Mm, No. I'm completely bemused by that, I have to say. And, And whilst I agreed with a lot of what the Pop Matters review was saying, there was a lot of sentences like that where I was like, glam rock? what are you talking about (laughs) this is um more oh this is more indie but with i mean this particular record has shit loads of strings all over it um quite well done strings to be totally honest yeah um i also i mean you sort of um refer to it there as uh boring or turgid um yes it is boring and turgid i don't it it kept my interest 
I'm talking purely musically here because we'll get onto the lyrical content in a bit. Mm. Musically, it kept my interest more than, say, The Enemy or Fever Brother or yep. Dirty Vegas, which is, I think, are the three bands which are most comparable uh, that mm. we've had in Breaking Record so far. Musically, I think it was um, better than all three of those, to be totally yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's not good, I don't think. But no. it's not the levels of bad that it really needs to be musically. I mean, there's yes. a song in it called Hope Sick, which is actually quite good. It's actually quite a good song. I, I mean, hope, there's... Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it's weird, isn't it? Hope Sick. It's yeah. like, Hope Sick, it's, it's penultimate song on the record. So it comes really far into this album. Is it a 14 track record? It's quite, it's quite long. It's 12, I think. It's only 12. It felt 14. Um, oh, it's 11. Oh, Ooh. fuck it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's tracked down on the record. Um, and yeah, musically, um, it's quite interesting and quite good. It had a, it, it has the kind of gravitas attached to it that a song like The Drugs Don't Work has. Mm. And I think there are comparisons to be made there. I don't think it's as good, but I think there are comparisons right. made. Let's not forget, I mean, The Drugs Don't Work is a song reportedly written about Richard Ashcroft's dying father-in-law and the medication used to try and keep him alive. So a genuinely, like, traumatic, difficult experience to sing about and something that, you know, you should sing about. Should sing about. Something that deserves that gravitas is what I'm trying to say. The lyrics for um, Hope Sick start, I need sleep, I need love, I need fun, I need girls, I need sun, I need hope, I need help, I need dope, I need her, I need it, I can't run, I can't sit. I got pain, I got pain, I got pain. Hmm. And when you put those lyrics to a song that that, ha that has that much gravitas in the same respect as a dope, the drugs don't work, you know, that beautiful sort of string ballady type thing. It's really weird how the lyrics do not match up with... I mean, I don't think, I yeah. don't think this band are capable of writing lyrics which are actually meaningful in any way, shape or form. But... It was such an odd juxtaposition for me. I understand mm. what you're saying. I think musically the song's okay, mm. but such a weird kind of like po-faced GCSE write, like writing scribbles in their notebook and thinking, yeah, this is real pain kind of thing. Mm. I mean, very, very similar. I mean, it's practically the lyrics from Black Rose. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, more or less. Um which is, you know, despite a song written by myself, a dreadful song. And uh, um, uh, oh, I, come on. <laughs> I'm being harsh on myself. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's fucking I'm brilliant. Not it. it's, great, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not really that rock and roll, really. This record is pretty no. crap. I mean, free. They mentioned in the, one of the reviews, "Free won't, uh, free won't be what it used to be," which obviously is trying to ape kind of Sergeant Pepper's era Beatles mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. to kind of to hilariously poor effect let's say i mm -hmm. mean again i appreciate the fact that they're not as one-dimensional as a band like i don't know jet right no? yeah musically yeah, yeah. that it's not musically this is it's not a disaster uh it's far from a disaster actually mm. it's it, it's it's not you know like you say the enemy is well boring fever brother is just cloying and fucking and mm. like musically it's fucking annoying but yeah it is it is the lyrics to a song like sometimes you just want to 
um, which I've got in front of me here. Well, you won't stop talking when I'm trying to bang your friend, but I love you so much. I'll wait until the end. You keep nagging me. Don't stop until you scream because lovely little girls aren't always what they seem. Ugh. It's considerate of him to wait till the end, though, in that second line. Yeah. I mean... That's a joke. I know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was more it. concerned about the listeners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's really horrible. It's rubbish. It's fucking awful. Fucking awful. But here's the thing. It reminded... No, no, before I go into this, I want to be really fucking clear that I'm not defending the lyrics on this record because they are abysmal and they come from a dreadful mm. place. Reminded me of Robin Thicke and Blurred yeah. Lines and the Blurred Lines controversy. Uh, horribly misogynistic lyrics, dreadful song. Um, the album, which is also called Blurred Lines, has a song on it called, uh, I mean, all it's similar. I've not listened to it because why the fuck would I waste my time doing that? I saw um, Robin Thicke supporting Maroon 5. Oh, lucky you. How was Just that? Just to throw that hellish experience <laughs> in there. Um, it was... I wasn't really paying attention to anything. That really, sounds like so. a dreadful night. That sounds like an yeah, awful night. Yeah. Was that an ex? Well, I've told that was when I said that I was dating a girl. I was like, yeah, oh, you, yeah. you like rock music. I've got tickets for Maroon 5. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, who are you going to take? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a song on Blurred Lines. I mean, if you need more examples of why Blurred Lines as an album is horrendous, there's a song called Give It To You, which has the line, I've got a big dick for you which is nice. Um, <laughs> but that's rub. I mean, that is so rubbish. Oh, it's I got a big, I got a big, hello, I got a big dick for you. <laughs> you order, can you sign for it? Fuck it's, off. It's lyrics taken from a Tinder conversation. It's fucking awful. Um, but uh, not my Tinder conversations to be super clear. Just to say, who's messaging you that? <laughs> I need to look at my settings. <laughs> I really need to figure that out. Um, no, I don't. So I don't want to defend a reprehensible prick like Robin Thicke here, but so don't. I'm not going to. But if you look at the reviews for the album, this is me, this is me having a go at the press again. If you look at the reviews for Blurred Lines, eight out of ten in Metal Hammer. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it has surprisingly mixed reviews. Um, it's got a score of 59 on Metacritic, which is yeah, again, not not out of this world amazing surprising no considering the 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 controversy that, that and, and there are some there are some scores on it which are really quite positive i mean um av club gave it a b plus a out of 10 on spin a out of 10 on exclaim billboard billboard in a 3.5 out of 5 review even went on to say regarding the blurred line song Thick leads with the reigning number one song that placed him in the worldwide spotlight this year. Its video was criticised for being demeaning towards women, uh, but you'd be hard pressed to find a critic with ill will towards the song itself. Well, hello, you found one because it's fucking dreadful. You found um, even, two, actually. Like, you found, found two, two, yeah. Even, even, even putting aside the awful lyrics, just for just for a millisecond, that song is fucking dreadful. Oh, yeah, it's crap. Um, but but adds the lyrics on top of it, and it's abhorrent or awful. I suppose the only point I'm making is, you know, as far as the press is concerned, why did they tear this apart for lyrics which, whilst bad, and they are bad, 
um, and reprehensible. I don't think they're as reprehensible as anything on the Robin Thicke record. Um, and why does Robin Thicke sort of get a pass? Because it wasn't it wasn't the press that ended up having a massive go at Robin Thicke and him disappearing as a result of that Blurred Lines thing. It was um, the public. Different type of music, isn't it? Completely yeah. different type of music and a completely different time. 2008 and 2013. I mean, you'd think 2013 people would be a bit more open to and and i think it doesn't help that i mean i was about to say i I think it doesn't help that louis ck were louis ck i'm fucking now that's freudian um (laughs) louis the 14th were on the way down yeah 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 i mean any excuse when a band's on the way down whereas robin thick was on his way up yeah you know what i mean he was a big but lots of you know, it's a different type of music and it's somebody who is on the ascent rather than somebody who's on the descent. That type of music's on the descent and that band are on the descent. So, um, I mean, this is one people might, yeah, I mean, it's one of those, I'm a long been a kind of, you got to separate the art from the artist sort of thing. But I mean, when this is the art, yeah, <laughs> it's quite exactly, difficult exactly. to do yeah, that, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it is course, quite yeah. difficult yeah. to do that. I mean, there's a yeah. song, we were talking the other week about, um, uh songs in the third person and writing from a different perspective and how that's all right but when you write lyrics like that um seemingly with you know no irony or no um kind of ulterior motive other than to just show how you know how hairy your testicles are uh it is quite sort of damning to then have a song like stalker um on this record it says because i'm loose slide and knife through back door locked bolt through sleeping softly holding pillows tightly in your arms i sneak up without a sound down the hall to your bedroom twist a knob stand above you as you lay there in your bed now blimey in that the is hand, quite bad isn't it yeah yeah in, <laughs> that the, in the hands um of <sighs> i mean i don't think he would do this but in the hands of trent Reznor. Mm. for example just as somebody off the top of my head in the hands of trent Reznor, you could see or dave gahan from depeche mode you could go this is somebody writing about the the thought process of a criminally deranged terrible person yeah and they would probably they're writing they it would, from a third person perspective. Yeah, yeah. And they would probably write some sort of music that is completely different to the rest of that record to show, to indicate that mm. this is not this is not me. This is not what I think. This yeah. is not my perspective. This is I wanted to write a song to show people how vile the mind of somebody like that is. Yeah. In the hands of Louis the Fourteenth who, as we've already discussed, aren't really capable, although they are capable of the, the tropes of big rock songs. And uh, yes, we know, we've heard Sgt. Pepper and we know that you need an orchestra and da 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 And in amongst, you know, the, the shit on this record, like fucking Guilt by Association and Tina and mm. Swarming mm. of the Bee and Misguided yeah. Sheep and stuff like that, that song just sounds like a fucking rapist. Mm, yeah do you know what i mean it just well sorry to be incredibly blunt about it but it just sounds like that's what you want to do well there's nothing yeah i'm just just to 
emphasize your point there's nothing on this record to indicate whatsoever that it is from a third person perspective and there's nothing uh, i mean the conversation you're referring to actually isn't out yet but it's when we're referring to weezer's pinkerton when we were talking about third person narratives Uh, and how how it can be mis um uh misinterpreted i suppose um and and i there's nothing on here to indicate this feels very first person perspective this very much feels to to be honest i think the lyrics are so dumb on this record i'm not sure if they even are capable of writing from the perspective of someone else (laughs) you know i don't think they probably have it in them to do that um whereas there are some artists where it's far more apparent that it is clearly a third person narrative that they're that they're writing from I mean, to reiterate, the lyrics on here are fucking abhorrent and rubbish and awful. I just wanted to point out that seeming hypocrisy. Uh, Because, you know, as you say, yeah, it was a few years later, the Robin Thicke thing. But I I think that arguably people should have the press should have known even better to not do that. Yeah, you're right. I I always thought it was mental, wasn't it? When that came out, that's a very good point. And Um, and, 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 and when you say different genre and all that, yeah, but that that's hypocrisy as well, isn't it? I mean, that, that, those are my points really. It's, it's, Mm. it's, I, I, I really don't want to come across as defending this album at all because I'm really not. Um, I just think uh, that all of these fuckers should get in the bin really. Not, not just Louis, (laughs) Louis, the, the, 14th 15th or whatever i don't yeah. even care what they're called they're rubbish <laughs> yeah um yeah. but it's just this is that this is the out this was the one that was drawn from the hat yeah. room free yes um true, but yeah true. robin thick i mean robin thick's fucking awful but this is i mean uh trying to pick what's more kind of gross out of those two feels like a you know do i, I really want to put my hand that deep down the cistern not really no no i suppose really it's just a comment on um this whole broken records uh segment of the show has been really interesting so far just to see and i sort of knew this before we did it but it's really reinforced that the worst the worst reviewed records aren't necessarily the worst i i I haven't listened to the whole of blurred lines by robin thick i bet i like it a lot less than this record i I bet it's far worse than this record Mm. um i almost wonder if we should throw it in to broken records but at the same time, I don't really want to listen to it. So, yeah, but, um, rather not listen to it. To be, yeah, honest, to yeah, be perfectly yeah, yeah, honest, yeah, 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 yeah. And but also, you know, it is quite far outside of the remit of like. I know there's true. a few, a few in there, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I just, I just thought that was an interesting point to raise. Maybe I didn't know about uh, Josh Homme and Brody Daly and um, uh, Who? David Brody Brody Dahl. Sorry, um, Brody Daly. I, 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 I. I was trying to rhyme Homi and Dali and realised, then stopped. Anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't realise that it had their pat- uh, patronage and David Bowie's patronage. And that made me go, oh, that, when, when that's, when, big bands kind of recommend an artist and then an album comes in critics do like to savage it as a result kind of thing especially and if the it's killers they're like bezzy bezzy mates with the and killers, the killers. Yeah, seems yeah, really yeah, weird because yeah. the killers are mormons aren't they and they're really mm. religious and these guys are just basically you know as yeah. eddie murphy says when they come around my they'll fuck anything that moves when they come around my house the fish stop swimming <laughs> eddie murphy 
That's great. Fuck you. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, <laughs> it's 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 fucking terrible. Um, but yeah, I just so thought... let's rank it. Yeah, go on. Yes, you're right. It nah, is. No, it's just fucking it's terrible. worth winning. Yeah. Uh, um, let's rank it then, Renfrey. Whereabouts does it sit? It's a bit of a difficult one. It's this one, really I think. hard because the thing is, musically, I would, I would, musically, I would put it sixth in between the enemy and uh, Lou Reed. Lou Reed. Mm. But do I want to encourage this sort of pathetic, misogynistic, you know, lyrics taken from Tinder conversations? Bullshit. And and does that push it into the realms of being... Because the thing is, musically, I don't think it is. Musically, there's some stuff on here which is quite good. I think it's... I think most of the good stuff is on the production side of things. But, you know, yeah. when we've talked about um, uh, Eoghan, uh, you know, and how that album is broken because the production is fucking awful because it was clearly just um, Simon Cowell trying to get as much money from this guy as possible and wanted to give him as little money as possible it's not broken in that sense like it doesn't uh, the the sonic sound of the record doesn't sound bad the lyrics massively put you off because it's like what are you talking about but i don't know it's difficult isn't it i i I would have put i mean yeah i think musically speaking there's only lou reed and bob dylan above it and it should be bob dylan lou reed louis 14th and then the enemy yes but unfortunately, Renfrey, this is like someone who's not really that bad. I mean, there we say, isn't it? You're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm. Um, and it's very philosophical weak- today, aren't you? Yeah. And the <laughs> weakest link on this record does drag it down a mm. fuckload to me. It yeah. probably doesn't quite drag it down to Queen and Paul Rogers, who really should know better. It probably doesn't even drag it down to Viva Brother, who have got some pretty fucking <laughs> some some problems with lyrics themselves. Mm. But certainly it does jump it, at the very, very least, it jumps Dirty Vegas and the enemy above it. Because whilst both of those records are not as good musically and are both very boring, this goes beyond uh, you know, and I think composition wise it's not brilliant most of it composition wise no, there's all true. right stuff on it mm. but it is dragged down to own to, i mean i feel bad to say like i'm only going to drag it down two places because of how fucking bad the lyrics are i feel like it should really be dragged down even further than that but that just goes to show how bad viva brother and queen and paul rogers and the organ and six feet under really are that mm. i'm i'm willing to like put it fifth you definitely convinced me that it should go at least fifth you're starting to convince me you're starting to make me wonder if it should go fourth but then i don't know maybe that's too too far i mean are viva brother offensive are they actually do you listen to it and you go that is dis- that is a disgraceful i mean it's just they're just shit aren't they they're just absolutely yeah and they are they are shit i mean they are really shit i think the cosmos rocks <laughs> fucking hell i mean the cosmos rocks is that bad that I think this has got to be above it because musically the Cosmos Rocks is ludicrous and lyrically yeah. it's absolutely ludicrous. This is ludicrous in an offensive and disgusting way. Um, it's not ludicrous, you know, it, it's not a different type of ludicrous, but I still think... What's ludicrous got to do far. with it? Why do you keep bringing ludicrous into it? 
That's harsh, rapper. man. Yeah. You know a rapper. Well done. <laughs> um. <laughs> I just I just don't want you dragging his name through the mud. Is he one yeah, of the bad do, ones? Yeah. He's not a Chris Brown, is he? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Haven't we mentioned enough bad people <laughs> just, this week? This has been an awful podcast. Not an awful podcast, but it's, it's been quite a seedy and horrible, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, has, yeah. It's a gritty old thing. I want it to end now. Yeah, so let's okay. decide. I, 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 I think fourth. Fourth. Oh, you're I now saying... I'm going to give Viva Brother the benefit of the doubt, and I want to put, I'm gonna put this fourth. Oh, just for that fifth. fucking stalker song. That stalker song is unforgivable i was gonna say fifth but but yeah fair i i you know i think this is fucking abhorrent and i don't want it anywhere near me so let's put it forth yeah that's fine with me okay so there goes louis the 14th into fourth place um and i mean to give you some idea of how bad paul rogers and queen any Ogin and six feet under must be i mean six feet under yeah. we haven't even mentioned whether or not like something could even possibly possibly top them uh, i know <laughs> isn't that awful it's mad <laughs> just I mean, how terrible it is yeah i mean yeah. we've not even considered for ages that somebody might be as bad as that that's fucking insane <laughs> absolutely fucking insane so there you go bob dylan uh lou reed the enemy dirty vegas viva brother louis 14th queen and paul rogers eogan quig six feet under will be joined next week as i reach into the hat full of shit to pick out oh funny you just mentioned him richard ashcroft united nations of sound ah a little okay. bit of richard ashcroft solo material so okay. that will be going into the rankings next week um go to musicism.net put riot in the code uh in the checkout riot sorry the, the code. code put the code riot in capital letters in the checkout to get 25 percent off of all of our courses go to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast sign up for our uh, very special albums um classics albums series podcast <laughs> fuck's sake uh just give us some money you cunt <laughs> <laughs> Oh, plenty dear. of good stuff coming out apologies, We're do for, the quality, apologies for the quality this week of this outro um, <laughs> we'll be back next week we'll, be we'll, there, we'll see you later bye <laughs> bye